0: And um, if you guys remember, this is our last sermon in the Gospel of Mark. Okay, this is the last one. We're going to finish the Gospel of Mark this morning. We started back uh, on May, some, sometime in May 2019, so just, just over two years ago. And I looked at, I looked at my computer where I, where I save all my stuff this morning. Today is going to be number 55 I think number 55, number 56 sermon, but yeah, think about it, right? Yes, it went over two. It went over two years, but COVID was there, you know, all the, the shutdown, all those things, and then um, 56 sermons. But you have 16 chapters, 670 verses. Um, so, so that's why it took us. It took us that that long. So it's it's sad to finish Mark, you know, on my on my uh, when I. When I finished my sermon for this morning, this morning at 7, I was kind of like, man, you know, this is kind of sad. <laughs> it's, la- it's my last sermon to the students uh, in the Gospel of Mark. But then it's also exciting because we're going to just continue to look at other books in the Bible. So look at Mark chapter 16. Okay, we're, we're going to cover our last story in, in the book of Mark. Okay, this is the last story in the book of Mark. So I'm going to read it. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Okay, that is the last story in the Gospel of Mark, verses 1 through 8. And then at the end of this sermon, I'm going to address 9 through 20. Okay, we're going to, we're going to address 9 through 20. We won't take long, um, but really the last story here is, is verses 1 through 8. So uh, follow as I read it, just like in the past, like last Sunday, I'm going to ask you specific questions to kind of make you focus, to make you really understand. I'm going to ask you questions after we read it. So pay attention to the characters in the story, okay? What they are going to do or not do. And from those observations, we're going to find the lesson that Mark is teaching, okay? So pay attention to those. So look at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible... Uh, do it now. Go grab a Bible from the back because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you turn to other passages. I'm going to look at your Bibles. I'm actually actually going to ask you to look at like how the words are written in your Bible. So this is very important that you have a Bible. Okay? So, chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, "...bought spices so that they might come and anoint him." That's Jesus. "...very early on the first day of the week, when they came to the tomb, when the sun had risen, they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large." Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. That he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. End of the story. Okay, questions. What is the story about? What is it about? Yes, it lies. Yeah, so last week, the story was about what? Jesus' what last week? His burial. The, the week before that was about Jesus' what? Death. death, right? Crucifixion and death, right? So this one is about his what? Resurrection, okay? Jesus' resurrection. Okay, who are the main characters? Who are the main characters? Yes, Grace. And the, the other, yeah, Salome or Salome. Yeah, so three ladies, yeah, right? You have three ladies, the three main characters. Now, do you think Mark is using these three women, Mary, Mary, and Salome, as good examples for us to follow or as bad examples for us to avoid? I think this is where, where the rubber meets the road. This is really where the lesson is going to come out. Remember, the story is about Jesus resurrection. But Matthew talks about that, Luke talks about that, and John talks about that, but all different four authors of the gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even though they all talk about the the story of Jesus resurrection, they all have different lessons that they're teaching from Jesus resurrection. So, lo- looking at hearing hearing the story play out when I when I read it to you guys, do you think Mark is using the women as good examples for us to follow or as bad examples for us to avoid? What do you guys think? And it's okay if you're 50-50, because I was 50-50 in the beginning. And then, I, and then I was back and forth, back and forth, probably until Friday. <laughs> I, I, that, that was probably the hardest part of my study. Okay, what is the lesson here? I get it. It's about Jesus' resurrection. Uh, but I don't think it's about the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. You know, I don't think it's about the women, the angel, you know. Uh, I don't think it's about that. I think it's about the lesson. Yes, Ms. Julie. Yeah, you can kind of see that, right? So, so, yeah, Mark is using the women as bad examples. Okay, bad examples. Okay, mo- most commentators, meaning uh, smart people who write comments on the Bible... Uh, most commentators I've heard and most pastors I've listened to say that Mark is using the women as good examples that we should follow. Oh, they're honoring Jesus. You know, they want to visit Jesus. Uh, I, you know, that's what I thought for, for a lo- very long time until I really studied this last story of 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 Mark here. I'm I'm leaning more on the opposite. It seems like Mark is using the women as bad examples for us to avoid. Okay, and and I'm gonna show you why that seems to be Mark's intent. Okay, now, what do you think is the lesson that Mark is teaching us from the women? What do you think is the lesson? Yes? Yeah, um, it, it says earlier, like, they were worried about who was gonna roll the stone away and they weren't sure, or that they were shocked or amazed when they saw the angel. Yeah. Yeah, there you go, don't be afraid, right? So that, I think that is the lesson here. And here's how how I'm putting it together. Sinful fear, okay, I'm going to explain fear later because there is a kind of fear that's okay, right? Right, if you you wake up and, and there's, you know, there's a stranger in your bedroom, like it's okay to have fear in that moment, right? It doesn't automatically mean that you are sinning. Okay, so this, here's how I put this, sinful fear will compromise your faith in Jesus. Okay, I think that is the main lesson. It's about Jesus' resurrection, but Mark is telling us, teaching us a lesson here from the bad examples of the women. Sinful fear will compromise, or that might be a big word, but, but affect, okay, is another word. Um... Decrease might be another word. Your faith in Jesus Christ—that's what sinful fear will do. Yes, Mr. Ray. Yes, I'm going to give—I'm going to give that to you. The—the uh, the definition there. I think you have filled in the blanks. Um, now, how do you know if you have sinful fear or normal fear in a situation? How do you guys know? Yes, the lies. That is what. So that would be considered as what kind of fear? Sinful fear. Sinful fear okay. If it, it, it really depends what you do after, right? Because in the moment it might feel the same way, right? I'm, I'm afraid. Well, how do I? It's really hard to, to say. Okay, is this, is this a godly fear or, or, or a sinful fear? It's really hard to, 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 uh, to tell in the moment of your, of your experience and your circumstance and your emotions. How, how can you tell? Well, what, what do you do after? What do you do after with that fear? That will tell you if, if that is sinful fear that the Bible says don't do or if it's just a normal fear that you're actually allowed to have, right? So here's the definition, okay? I'll fill in the blanks. Sinful fears are passions, okay? Feelings is another word, um, you know, deep down, that may arise in times of, what do you guys think? Danger, right? You wouldn't be afraid if there's no danger or threat, right? So sinful fears are passions that may arise in times of danger that can invade your heart. So it takes over in your heart. Distract your focus or your mind. Now you're thinking about the what ifs, right? What if this guy shoots me? What if this person, you know, uh, gives me an F in my class? distract your focus, and compromise your what? What do, you, what do you guys think? Your faith. Compromise your faith, leading you to doubt and disobey. Now, now, the women are now being the examples of this, right? Leading you to doubt and disobey God's word. So that's, that's when you know that you are sinfully fearing. So again, that is the lesson of this last story by uh, by Mark's usage of the women as bad examples, negative examples. So, so here's the outline, okay? Two ways sinful fear will do that, will compromise your faith in Jesus Christ. How is that? How, how is sinful fear going to affect your faith? Okay, and there are two. Here's the first one. Sinful fear will cause you to what? What do you guys think? Doubt, yep. There you go. Because we already—that's right—I already gave that to you. Too easy, too easy. And number two, you know that sinful fear will cause you to what? Disobey God's word. Okay, so those are the two. Okay, two ways that sinful fear uh, will affect your faith. So look at verse one. Okay, so let's let's dive into the story. Uh, remember, remember what ha- what has happened so far, right? Jesus was crucified nine o'clock Friday in the morning. Okay. And then it got dark at noon, right? And then Jesus died at what time? Friday afternoon. Three o'clock. You guys following me? Crucified at nine, died at three o'clock, was on the cross for how many hours? Six hours, right? So so that, that happens on Friday, right? And then he was buried when? What time? When was he buried? Joseph of Arimathea shows up, right? Jesus... Breathe his last around 3 o'clock, and then, and then when was he buried? Yes. Around there, bef- we know that he had to be buried before what? Before 6 p.m. on Friday, because after 6 p.m. On, on Friday would be what day? The Sabbath. the Sabbath. And they weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. So jo- Joseph er- Arimathea, the courageous person, right, who was, who was a, a righteous and believing person, did all that work that the women weren't willing to do right before six o'clock um, before Sabbath started so so um, so now look at verse one. when the Sabbath was over, so what time do you think this would be if they count, if they started and ended, ended their days at 6 p.m, not 6 a.m like we do or, or, or uh, sorry, 12, 12 midnight like we do. So when, when would be the the sabbath over 6 p.m. what day our day saturday yes following 6 p.m. saturday when the sabbath was over okay just think about 6 p.m. saturday these three women Mary Mary and and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him that's Jesus so so as soon as sabbath was over around 6 p.m. saturday the 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 Marys here in, the, in, in Salome, they go to the market because now everything is back, right? Everything is open again, right? 6 p.m. Saturday, the market is open. Stores are open again. People are allo- allowed to go outside. People are allowed to go back to their work. People are allowed to do the things that they couldn't do during the Sabbath day. So these three women, okay, 6 p.m., Sabbath's over. Let's, let's go to the market. We need some spices so that we can, we can put some spices on Jesus' body, his corpse, his, his dead body. Now, now, this is important to, to, uh, to know, that the Jews did not put spices on the body of a dead person to, to, um, to embalm the body like, like the Egyptians did. Um, they did it for two main things, okay, for two main things. Number one, to cover the stench of the body, okay, to cover the stench of the body, and then also to slow the decay of the body. Okay, so think about that. That's the Jewish practice. Put spices on the corpse, on this dead body, so that it would cover the stench, okay, the, the stinkiness of it, and to slow the decay, the, the decomposition of the skin and the muscle, all those things. So, so that's, that's why the women, you know, are kind of itching. Okay, 6 p.m., come on, 6 p.m., 6 p.m., let's go to the market you go over there, you go over there, Salome, you go over there, get all the spices. We're, 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 going to, we're going to get enough to slow the decay of Jesus' body and to cover the stench. That's what we need to do. But, as you can tell in verse 2, it was already late at night by the time they're over, You know, by the time they're done getting all the spices. So, uh, one person said that it would take about at least 75 pounds of spices to cover one body. So, That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of spices for three women. So it's probably getting dark, not the best time to go to the tomb. They would have to travel outside of the city all the way to the tomb where Jesus was was laid. They would have to do all that, you know, at night. So what do they do? They just waited till the next morning. So look at verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week. So what day is this now? First day of the week. Sunday. Okay, Sunday is the first day of the week. So this is very early on the first day of the week, Sunday, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So they got their first thing in the morning. Okay? So the women woke up. First day of the week, it's Sunday. They gather all their, you know, 75 pounds of, of spices. They make their way to the, to the tomb of Jesus. And on their way, I don't know how long it took, but on their way, they were having a conversation among, amongst each other. Look at verse 3. Here's the conversation. They were saying to one another, so they're kind of talking, you know, they're carrying their spices um, they're talking to each other, hey, who will roll away the stone for us from from the entrance of the tomb? I mean you can kinda you know, how, how ladies talk, I mean, you know, six o'clock in the morning, you get guys together, they're not gonna say anything to each other. But but here the the women are, you know, already chat chatting it up, you know, they're they're talking to each other. I mean, I'm just imagining, you know, the the two Marys and Salome they're like, Hey, hey Mary, yes, are we almost there? You know, these these Spices are killing my biceps. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost there. you know. Um, we're almost there. But you know what we did not think about? Who's going to roll away that, 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 that rock, that stone that's covering Jesus' tomb? Who's going to do that for us? Oh, you're right. We didn't think about that. Oh, man. Who's going to do that for us? So as they got closer to the tomb, they found the answer to their question. Look at verse 4. Looking up, so you imagine they're, they're walking, they're talking at the same time, worrying what's going to happen, who's going to roll away the, the stone. So as they get there, they get closer, and then they start looking up. They saw that the stone had been rolled away. So past sense, it was already rolled away, right? Although it was extremely large. So just kind of comment from Mark there that there's no way that the three women would have been able to roll the, the stone away. So they go running in, they go running into the tomb, and then look at what they discover, verse 5. Entering the tomb, so they, so they run, they go inside. They saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now, if you, if you read um, Matthew's way of telling the story, we know that this young man was a what? An angel. I think, I think with their worry, and then they're running, you know, and then they going into the tomb right away. In a split second, it looked like a man. I mean, that makes sense. Right? In, in, in a split second, it looked like a man. So Mark says, hey, that's what they saw or perceived this angel to be. A young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Okay? This word, to be amazed, is used 40 plus times in the Gospel of Mark. Okay? And, I, and I looked at all of those 40 plus times. And the last four times are here in this story. Yes? What's that? Same, yeah, alarmed or amazed or astonished would be another, another um, uh, English uh, synonym for that. So it, 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 it can mean two things, okay? If you look at all the 40 plus times in the mark, it can, me, it can mean two things. Number one, it's to be greatly surprised, like, whoa, an angel, like you're surprised, like, why is there an angel in here? Number one, why was the stone rolled away? And now there's an angel here. Complete surprise, right? So that's one meaning of that, that word. The second meaning is to be terrified. To be terrified. Like, whoa, the stone is rolled away. They stole Jesus' body, right? And then you walk in and there's an angel. Whoa, I'm terrified. I've heard of stories in the Old Testament. Every time an angel would show up, he killed people. And, and angels did. <laughs> angels, uh, their main, their main two purposes when they would show up in the Old Testament is to give a revelation, right? God's God's word to His people, or or punish and kill people. So yeah, they they rightly so, right? They would be amazed, meaning they would be greatly surprised of what they're finding out, and also they would be greatly terrified of what's happening. I mean, if you saw an angel today, you would act the same way. You would be very surprised. An angel. <laughs> That's surprising, but you'd be also terrified, right? Because you would think that that angel is either there to give you a revelation from God or kill you or punish you. So so that's what's happening here. So aware of the women's reaction, okay, surprised and terrified, the angel starts talking to them. Look at verse 6. And he said to them, so this angel, do not be amazed. Think about those two definitions. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Okay? And don't be terrified also. Don't be scared. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. The angel knew who they were looking for, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. He probably just showed him, hey, you know, this is where Joseph Arimathea put him, laid him. It's right here. As you can tell, he's not not there. Now, I want you to go to, to Luke chapter 24. Okay, go to Luke chapter 24. I want to show you a little bit more of their amazement, meaning their surprise and, their, and their, uh, their terror. Luke chapter 24, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. And as the women were terrified, okay, amazed, surprised, and bowed their faces to the ground. I mean, they were super terrified. They knew what angels did. The, men's, uh, the men said to them, there are two angels, that's why, that's why Luke is saying men, plural. Uh, but Mark is only talking about one angel because that angel was the only one who spoke out of the two. So the men, the angels said to them, to the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That's, that, that's, in, that's, that's uh, kind of phrased in a way that it's a rebuke. Why are you guys here? Why are you ladies here? It does not make sense that you guys are here. Kind of what the angels were saying. Verse 6. He is not here, but he has risen. And here's, here's the rebuke, okay? The angel said, Remember, ladies, how Jesus spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? Okay? Remember? How Jesus spoke to you while you were, while he was still in Galilee, verse 7. Saying that the Son of Man, that's referring to Jesus himself, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. We covered that, right? To Pilate, to the Jewish leaders. And be crucified. We already looked at that. And the third day, what? What? Rise again. So the angels are, are kind of like saying, Women, you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised. Number two, you shouldn't be terrified. Why are you ladies even here to put spices on Jesus' body to cover the stench and to slow decay? Why would you even do that? You guys remember, you should remember, it wasn't that long ago when Jesus himself told you what was going to happen, that yes, he would die. He even gave you the timeline three days later, which would be this morning, which would be today. He would do what, ladies, women? He would rise from the dead. Very clear instruction from the angel. I think Mark is making a point here that even though the women knew, I don't think they forgot what Jesus had told them, that he would be delivered, he would be crucified, and he would rise from from the dead three days later. I don't think they forgot that, but I think Mark is pointing out here that even the women knew all those information, uh, they still doubted Jesus. They still doubted Jesus. That's why they were so antsy to get in there, cover the stench, slow the decay of Jesus' body. They knew that. They remember what Jesus had told them, the timeline, what Jesus is going to do after he dies. But for the women, I think they were doubting. They were doubting God's word. Why were they doubting God's word? Why? They were afraid. They were afraid. What if Jesus can't do it? I know he said it, but what if he can't? What if he can't rise himself from the dead? What if somebody steals his body? Right, all these what ifs. They knew what Jesus told them. But because of fear, they started doubting what Jesus had told them. And... They did what they did, okay? So that's the first way that sinful fear fear will compromise your faith is when you start doubting what your Bible says about all of the things that you're going through. When you start doubting. I mean, think about it, right? The Bible says, hey, if you honor and obey your parents, it will go well with you. But then you go home and you're in a broken family, Right? You go home, your dad's not a Christian. Right, You go home, your mom is unreasonable. Fear will start to make you what? Doubt those truths from your Bible. You're going to start saying, I don't know, God. I don't know if it will really go well with me. So let me get in there. You know, I'm so fearful. Let me get in there and, and manipulate my parents you know, be dishonorable and excuse it because, you know, I'm, I'm just very fearful. That's what fear will do. It will make you doubt God's promises. Number two, okay, I already gave it to you. Sinful fear will cause you to disobey. Not just doubt, okay, not just doubt God's word, God's truth, God's promises, the Bible, but it will also cause you to disobey God's word. So, back to Mark chapter 16, okay? So, the angel told the the women what not to do, right? What not to do. Don't be what? Don't be what? Afraid. Amazed. Afraid. Surprised, right? The the angel told the women what not to do. But here, the next statement from the angels, he's going to tell them what to do. Okay? (laughs) Ladies, don't do this do this instead now the question is will they obey the angel the angel's command look at verse 7 the angel continues to tell the women but go okay like leave you don't need to be there be here go leave tell his disciples Jesus disciples and peter he is going ahead of you to Galilee so so the women are supposed to tell the disciples you know Hey disciples, hey Peter, Jesus is going to 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 going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, guys, just as he told you. So that's the message that the angel is commanding the women to tell the disciples. Okay? Now notice that the angel commanded the women to tell the disciples that Jesus is going to meet them in Galilee as what? Just as he told them. So, this is no surprise just like Jesus resurrection earlier. Right, This message that the ladies are supposed to tell the disciples, this, the disciples already heard it from Jesus, just as Jesus had already told them. And in this scenario, it, it, just a couple of nights ago, a few nights ago, when they were having dinner together, the Passover meal and the communion. So, if you, um, you want to listen to how Jesus told them already, Okay, in Mark 14, Mark chapter 14, oh, here you go. No, it's okay. Mark chapter 14, verse 27, this is when Jesus told the disciples, okay, Mark chapter 14, verse 27, and Jesus said to them, so the disciples, you will all fall away, right? You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and then the sheep will be scattered. You know, that's the... That's the prophecy from Zechariah that that's going to come true. They will all fall away, and they did all fall away, right? Even Peter denied Jesus three times. Verse 28, but after I have been raised, right, I will rise from the dead. I will go ahead of you to where? Galilee. To Galilee. So the disciples should have been where? In the tomb or somewhere else? In Galilee, right? They should have been in Galilee waiting for Jesus because that's what Jesus had told them already. And if they had faith in Jesus, in what Jesus said, they would believe that and they would be waiting in Galilee, right? So that's the message that the disciples and Peter needed to hear. And the women are being commanded by this angel to give that message. Now, are they going to obey it? Look at verse 8. They went out, so the women... And fled from the tomb. I mean, you can imagine. Like, forget the spices, <laughs> right? I mean, spices everywhere. They're probably tripping. You know, they're they're just booking it out of the tomb. Why? For trembling. That's physical shaking. You guys, have you guys ever been scared that you start shaking physically? That's that's that word, tre- tremors, trembling, and astonishment. Astonishment is to. Uh, it's more of your mind. Like, you can't even process in your mind what you're going through like you can't even explain it it's like out of this world experience so so their minds are affected their 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 bodies are affected for trembling and astonishment had gripped them and they said nothing to anyone they said nothing to anyone for because why didn't it, why didn't they say nothing why didn't they say anything to anyone to the disciples because they were afraid. Okay, they did not obey the angel's command. They exit the tomb, they take off, but they didn't say anything to anyone. Why? Because they were afraid. See what fear can do to you? Sinful fear will cause you to disobey direct black and white commands from, from God. Now, this word fear is where we get our word phobia. You guys know what phobia is, right? Arachnophobia, all those phobias um, of fear. That's the same word here. It means to be struck with great fear, to be frightened or scared of danger, right? Why are you scared of, of, of spiders? Well, because I'm afraid that it might A, B, and C do to me. Why are you scared of heights? Well, I'm afraid that it would do X, Y, and Z to me. So, so it, there's, a, there's a threat, okay, from that thing or, or a danger from that thing, therefore you respond with, dang- uh, with with fear. That's the phobia fear here. Now, how do you know if these women were sinfully fearing or just a normal fear? How do you guys know? Yes. Because of the result. Yeah, they did not obey. They did not obey. Now, let me tell you that... that um, that they will obey, right, you, Mark, again, Mark did not include that here because he's using the women as bad examples for not being faithful, right, because they are fearing. But they did obey later on, right, you can read it in in Luke chapter 24, they did obey later on, Um, but the point is that delayed obedience is what? Your parents tell you this probably is disobedience, right? We tell our kids this, oh, now you're going to obey? Well, we told you, we gave you the command an hour ago, now you're obeying and you want the reward. Well, delayed, obe- uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. That doesn't count. Thank you. Thank you that you obeyed, you know, <laughs> but it's still disobedience because it took you a long time, because you were fearful. Now, what do you think was the danger, okay, or the threat that these women were trying to avoid? That, that, could come if they obeyed what the angel told them to do. What do you think was the threat, the danger that they didn't want to face? Yeah, Elias. Being persecuted by the Jews and the Roman government. Yes, being persecuted by the Jews and the Roman government. What else? That's a possible possible threat. If I obey this angel right now and I go and tell the disciples that Jesus rose from the dead just as he told them, This might happen to me, and I don't like that. Yes, Lexi? That they wouldn't believe. That they they would make fun of them. Okay? Go to Luke 24. Okay? Go to Luke chapter 24. I mean, you can relate to that, right? You. God is telling you to do something, a command that you're being called to obey, but your mind is playing the scenario, man, if I do that, then, then this threat or danger might happen, so I'm not going to obey, right? Well, that's exactly what happened to the women. Look, look at Luke 24, verse 10. Now they were married, Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and also the other women with them, were telling these things to the apostles. So, so they, they now they're now with the with the disciples. Okay, with Peter, they're telling. They're now obeying, still late obedience, though, so it still counts as disobedience. So, but they finally overcome their their fear and tell the disciples. Verse eleven. But these words appeared to them, to the disciples, as nonsense. <laughs> it's like Guys, you're joking us, you know, the disciples. Remember, they just, they fell away, right? They ran away when persecution came, right? They weren't, they weren't around to be with Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, right? So now the ladies are showing up. Hey, guys, Jesus is, is not in the tomb. He rose from the dead this morning. We were there, the angel told us. And we even looked where, where, where Joseph Arimathea laid him, and his body was not there. So that's what we're telling you. And then the disciples, they're saying, Ah, nonsense. You guys are joking. That can't be true. And look at the next phrase. And they would not believe them. (laughs) That's the danger. That's the threat that the women did not want to face if they had obeyed the angel. Okay? They didn't want to be made fun of. They didn't want the disciples to not believe them. Yes, they did obey eventually, but delayed obedience is disobedience. So, students, let me ask you these questions. What specific promises from God's Word are you prone to doubt because of sinful fear? That you're prone to doubt because of sinful fear? Specific. Promises or truths from God. Nothing? You guys have never doubted God's word? Yes, Grace. So like this is my second year in Christ. So it's like when he says when you repent you're forgiven and that's how you go to heaven. Still like sometimes it's hard to believe like that's all you have to do. That that's all you have to do. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great example. God's word says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins, right? And then you're like, "Uh, I don't know. Really, that's it? Just turn away from my sin, confess that to God, and it will be forgiven? I feel like I have to do some stuff. You know, I feel like I have to do some works. So yeah, that's, that's doubting. That's doubting. How about this? What specific commands from God's Word are you prone to disobey because of sinful fear? Specific commands from God's Word that you're prone to disobey, like the women. They didn't want the disciples to reject their message, so they they didn't obey right away because they were fearful of how the disciples would treat them. How about for you guys today? Yeah, rookie. Um, like, like, um, like, that yeah, that's a great example. For those of you who went to Worldview, one of the, the the exercises that they have you do is to evangelize. Right? I know some of you had to do that up north in Flagstaff, downtown Flagstaff, right, to, to, to share the gospel, to talk about Jesus Christ to these strangers, right? Because evangelizing the lost would mean that you're going to have to tell them not just the good news, but the what? The bad news, which is that they are sinners on their way to condemnation, right? So sinful fear comes into your heart, right? It, it, it takes over your heart, like the definition says. It distracts your focus, like the definition says. And then it compromises your faith, like the definition says. And now you don't want to obey a command from God to share the gospel with this person because you are sinfully fearing a threat, a danger, that they might judge you. They might call you names, right? Throw stuff at you, whatever that may be. Does that make sense? Okay. So I want you guys to, to think about that. Okay. Let, and again, let me be clear. Is it okay to have fears? Yes, it's okay to have fears. Right? If you don't have fears, if you don't have it, if you don't fear anything, then then that's silly. It's going it, to you know, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Fear is a good thing. It's okay to have fears. But don't let those fears become sinful fears because they're going to affect. They're going to compromise your faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, You you have faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not dealing with your fears and you're letting those fears become sinful, then it's going to compromise your faith. Then you will end up where the women were. They doubted God's word. Hey, he already told you guys that he would rise from the dead. They doubted that. Hey guys, you need to tell the disciples that Jesus rose from the dead. They disobeyed that. Why? Because they were amazed or fearful or terrified and then and then Mark says at the end of verse 8 for they were afraid That's the lesson. That's the lesson. okay do not be afraid to the point that you start doubting God's word and disobeying God's word. Now look at uh, the, the, the second half of chapter 16 okay Mark chapter 16. Now who has verses 9 through 20? in brackets you know like like the brackets like this you guys you guys do you have them and they are in brackets 19, uh, 9 through 20 good now who has those last sentences at the very bottom okay if you look at if you look at verse 20 there's another like long sentence there who has that also in brackets in italicized kind of like slanted letters. For those who, of you who do not have it, how, how does it appear in your Bible? That last section, that very last section of verse twenty. Nor, like normal letters, like standing up or like like italicized. Normal. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So, so let's let's look at this uh, last section here. I want to I want to help you guys answer the question: How does the Gospel of Mark end? Okay, if you flip your your handout. We're going to answer that question. How does the Gospel of Mark end? Because, you know, I said, here's the last story, verses 1 through 8, and you're probably wondering, wow, he's really going to cover 1 through 20, you know, today? And he has like five minutes left, you know? So what is he going to do with that last section? Well, we're going to answer that question, okay? How does the Gospel of Mark end? So so first of all, we have choices, okay? Options or choices how to deal with the ending of Mark, okay? The first choice is that Mark does really end with verse 8. There's nothing after that. Okay, that's your first choice. The second choice is that Mark ends with verses 9 through 20. Okay, 9 through 20, that long section. The third choice is that Mark ends with that, that long sentence at the bottom of verse 20. Okay, and they promptly reported all these instructions to Peter and his companions. After that, Jesus himself sent out through them, from east, west, sacred, and imperishable proclamation of eternal sal- salvation. So that's another option. So you have three options. Stops at verse 8, this long one, or that short one. Yes? Um, okay, so my Bible says, like, verse 20, yes? The earliest manuscripts and some of our ancient witnesses do not have 5 20. Right. So we're going to talk about that. So those are your options, though. You have three options, right? It stops at verse 8, this long one, or that short one, okay? Now, here are some things to consider why, uh, why we would say that Mark ends with verse 8, okay? And I gave you—I I couldn't think of, like, sim- more simple words than those ones, you know, contextually, stylistically, but I want you guys to learn those words. Actually, I actually don't want to oversimplify those words. I want you to learn those words. Okay, con- number one is contextually, mean- meaning the flow of the story. Okay, the flow of the story. So contextually, verse 7 says that the next geographical location of the continuation of the story is going to be where? Galilee. Galilee. You guys get that? Okay, so it would make sense if Mark is going to continue after verse 8 that the next story would be where? Galilee. In Galilee. Galilee. But the rest, that, that, that long section is in Jerusalem. So that doesn't make sense contextually, right? All those things happen in Jerusalem. Number two, stylistically. So Mark's style. Do you guys have a style when you write or send text messages? Right? You, you have a style. Like, I always want to start with a capital letter. I always want to make sure that the commas are where they are. I want to make sure that names are proper with capital letter. That's my style. Like, I want to be gram- grammatically correct. I don't, I don't like using a lot of emojis. I just, I just want to say, wow, W-O-W with an exclamation point. Like, that's my style when I text. Does that make sense? You guys have a style when you text, right? Af- after 16 chapters of Mark, you kind of get his style. So stylistically, verses 9 through 20 is just not Mark's style. First of all, he, you, uh, these verses... Are introducing about 18 words that Mark has never used before. You know, so you kind of know, like, ah, I don't know if Mark would say those things. He's never used those things. Mark is very, very um, precise with the words that he uses. So stylistically, it's just not, just doesn't read and feel like Mark. Letter C, logically, okay, things that don't make sense in this long section. Verses 9 through 20 brings up things that don't. Makes sense. You know, don't make sense. First is verse 17. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 claims that everyone who believes, okay, everyone who repents and believes, everyone who becomes a Christian, okay, back then and today and everybody in between, okay, whoever believes, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who gets saved, everyone who becomes a Christian, according to verse 17, will receive the signs or spiritual gifts. What are they? Power to cast out demons and to speak in tongues. That does not make sense. That is illogical. If you're a Christian today, do you have the power to cast out demons? Do you have the power to speak in tongues? No. You're, You're either not a Christian or verse 17 doesn't make sense logically. Right? So that doesn't make sense. Right? Look at verse 18. It suggests that handling snakes, drinking poison, and healing are allowed practices for Christians. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you do that? There are churches who do that because of Mark chapter 16, by the way. You know, they were, they're they like handling snakes and stuff, drinking poison. And and if somebody has, has an illness in their congregation, they don't go to the doctor. They just pray over them. So that doesn't make sense. The Bible, the rest of the Bible, doesn't even talk about those things. So, so contextually doesn't make sense. Stylistically, it doesn't make sense. Logically, doesn't make sense. Letter D, letter D. This is what Puki is referring to. Textually, okay. Th- textually, yeah, t- think of text, letters, words, right? But think of like original, like old, very old copies of the Bible, of co- copies of Mark. Okay. Now we don't have we don't have the original. Um, uh, paper and and pen and and words from the biblical authors. All the sixty-six books, we don't have the the original that Mark actually wrote, but we have copies after. Okay, now the oldest and the best Bible manuscripts or handwritten copies of the Bible that we have. There are two of them. Big names. I won't I won't give them to you. Um, don't have don't have anything after verse 8 in Mark. And they're dated in the 3rd century. Sorry, 4th century. So like in the 300s. So if Mark wrote this in the 50s, only a couple hundred years later, the copies of the copies didn't have this long ending. So now now if you get to the later and later and later manuscripts, like Bookie read manuscripts, hand copies of of the text, now, now you would see the longer ending there, then you would know that they what? That they eventually what added it, it. yes. Now I'm going to get there, (laughs) okay. So, 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 so it's not it's not in the early, early copies. Okay, really, really, really early copies. Now, if you if you read it, if you really study it, you will find um, some of these in the three gospels and also in the book of acts right paul was was uh, you know he had a snake attack in the book of acts right so you can say that okay handling the snakes it could have been from acts right all the resurrection appearances in this section they they they're all in Matthew Luke and John so are these things true right are they are, are they factual the answer is Yes, right, majority of them, right, because you can find them from the other gospel writers and in the book of Acts, so they are facts, they they are true, but is that the point of Mark? Is that how he intended to end his letter? No. The answer is no. So look at the conclusion, number three, okay, on your handout, conclusion. Mark ended abruptly, and it does seem abrupt, like, the women, they did not say to, uh, and they did they, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Period. Like that's an abrupt ending, right? So Mark ended abruptly with verse eight, but here it is to make his last point very super duper clear. Okay, that faith is proven by courage. courage from who? Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea from last Sunday. And faith is compromised by sinful fear, fear, the women. That is his point. That is the last lesson that he wants to teach his readers and you today. If you are courageous like Joseph of Arimathea, then you are being faithful. If you are sinfully fearing like the women, doubting God's word, disobeying God's word, then, then you're a bad example. That is his point. And by the way, that that word phobia, that fear. Um, Mark used that I think twelve times, and I read all of those twelve times. And ten out of the twelve, the word fear is used negatively, like a bad example kind of fear. Only two times were, were it was used in a positive way. One example is when when Jesus healed the de- the, the, the the demons. Uh, the, the man with the demon, the legion, thousands of demons inside of him in Mark chapter 5, right? And the people, the people saw that the, that the man is now fine, he's healed, he's normal again, he doesn't kill people anymore, he doesn't, he doesn't maul and, 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 and attack people anymore. Mark said that they were afraid. They were afraid of Jesus and they asked Jesus to what? To stay in the country and give them the gospel? No. They asked Jesus to leave. They were afraid that Jesus would would call them to repentance. They were more comfortable with a demon-possessed man than Jesus himself. So what did they say? You leave. You go. So those are the examples of fear in a negative way. And I think Mark is using that word fear here again for one last time, okay, in a negative sense. The women feared, therefore they doubted and they disobeyed. So I think that's why it has to end in verse 8. Okay, letter B. Okay, look at the conclusion, letter B. But someone who, I don't know, came after Mark who was not satisfied with his abrupt ending. So he added verses 9 through 20 to supply what he thought was a more appropriate ending. It's like, hey, Matthew ended with, with, with Jesus showing up to the disciples. He ended up with a nice dinner. He ended up with, with the Great Commission. Luke did that. John did that. So you know what? Let's help Mark here a little bit. You know, it, it just ends with the women were afraid. What a bummer. You know, like, let's help Mark a little bit and add some things that are true, but not from Mark. If you do that, then you kind of, you're taking away the lesson that Mark wants to teach, right? Faith is compromised by fear and courage proves faith. That's the lesson. I mean, what a great way to end the gospel for for you young students. Okay? Think about it. The The women found out that Jesus rose from the dead. And the angel said, pretty much the angel said, you need to respond to this. And same way for you today, right? You have sat under two years of the gospel of Mark. 56 sermons. 16 chapters, 670 verses right? What are you going to do about it? For those of you who are not saved, right? For those of you who sat under my, my, my sermons for two and a half years, and you still don't believe in Jesus Christ, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do? You're going to come back next Sunday? You're even going to go to camp and say, oh yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was all right. But I still don't want to give up my sin. I still don't want to repent from my sin. I still don't want to put my trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, what else what else should you hear? <laughs> right? Jesus was 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 punished on your behalf, right? He was crucified on your behalf, right? He died on your behalf and he rose from the dead. What else should I tell you, student who is not a Christian? So that's how it should end. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I can't make you believe. I can't make you do that. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to take what you have learned from Mark, especially this last one. Are you going to be courageous or are you going to be fearful? It's going to prove if you're a Christian or not. Right? So, thank you for letting me go along. I thought I would address that last section because I know a lot of you, most of you, have that last section in your Bible. Um So that was uh, I thought that was necessary. If you have any questions, uh, let me know. Um, we will see you this Wednesday, okay, swimming studies and then this weekend at camp. if you guys are not coming to camp, uh, there won't be Sunday school on Sunday so go to a, go to another Sunday school. show up in the finance class. okay and those people will be amazed. Hopefully not scared of you, just surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but don't be fearful just because there are adults there. Don't be fearful and not go. There's another class, Jonah, if you want to go to that one. Okay? So let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you for for blessing us um, with the gospel of Mark. And we just love how, it, how Mark ended it, making his lesson very clear that we should not fear we should not doubt what you have already told us. We should not disobey what you ask us to do. And that we should be courageous like Joseph to do the hard things and to uh, to sacrifice. I pray for those who are, who are still in their sin, they're still unbelievers, they're still not Christians, they're still on their way to, to eternal punishment. I pray that they would respond to the gospel of Mark rightly, that they would see their sin rightly, confess it to you, go to you in humility, and understand that they deserve everything that Jesus Christ uh, suffered, and that they would place their trust in everything that Jesus accomplished, specifically his resurrection. I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would be saved. So move in, in the students' hearts Uh, In a way that only you can, I can't, the leaders can't, I pray that they would respond. Uh, We look forward to this week. You have just a great blessing for us as a ministry to go to camp. I pray that we would not take that for granted. I pray that we would be humbled because we get to do it. We pray that we would be thankful because we get to do it. Uh, We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.